Welcome to Biblical Tapestry Podcast Season 4, Episode 11, A Study in 1 Peter. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the Gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. We've been answering the question, how should believers respond to suffering? In today's episode, we explore how Christ's suffering was a pathway to His victory and exaltation. Now believers need to resolve themselves to no longer let sin have dominion over them. When believers willingly suffer for the sake of Christ, they sever a link to sin and demonstrate a purpose in life to live according to the will of God and for His glory. This is a very interesting message to Peter's audience and to us. And let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. By the the end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Back to verse 1. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Well, whenever we see the word therefore, it is always drawing us back to previous verses and thoughts. In this case, drawing back to chapter 3, where Christ gains victory over hostile powers by his death and resurrection. Christ had to suffer to pave the way to glorious victory over death. Peter's audience also were suffering persecution and were required to be ready to face it. They needed to arm themselves, not arming themselves with weapons, but arming themselves with the understanding that suffering may be inevitable and the correct attitude is needed prior to facing suffering in whatever form that takes. Like soldiers preparing for battle, they need to prepare to suffer for Christ. So this leads us to the last half of this verse. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Well, that is very interesting. What does it exactly mean? Well, there are three different interpretations. The first one says that they think that the one who has suffered is referring to Christ himself. The power of sin was broken with his resurrection. Because Paul says in Romans 6, 8, Now now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. 
for the death he died he died to sin once for all but the life he lives it lives to god so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to god in christ jesus believers are dead to sin for sure but we're not sinless we have ceased from sin so it is attractive to look favorably at this option as referring to christ alone however it is certainly not clear that whoever has suffered refers to christ well the second option is that the one that suffers in the flesh refers to believers believers are still capable of sinning obviously for the dominion of sin has been broken in their lives paul states in romans 6 7 for one who has died has been set free from sin well set free from the dominion of sin however the word suffered is not the same as died so sin this seems unlikely to be the case here the third interpretation is more credible those who have suffered refers to believers who have prepared themselves for suffering as the first part of this verse states preparing to suffer for their faith means a break with a life of sin they have ceased to participate in sinful behavior of the world and now are willing to endure the criticisms and mockery that come with that commitment this shows that they have triumphed over sin and embraced a new life one that is certainly not perfect but remarkably different from others in the greco-roman world as cessation from a life characterized by sin so verse 2 says so that as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions but for the will of god if believers are prepared to suffer and no longer indulge in a sinful life we can live the rest of our lives to carry out god's will and not our own we are to live zealously for the will of god in whatever lifespan that god grants us verse 3 says for the time that has passed suffices for doing what the gentiles want to do living in sensuality passions drunkenness orgies drinking parties and lawless idolatry peter's audience had already spent much of their lives doing what they want to do in that culture what the gentiles want to do gentile here meaning in this verse is the life of a non-believer now the time is for them to live according to the will of god now look at this list of sins in this verse these were the common sins of the greco-roman world but really not so much different from the world we live in today living in sensuality passions drunkenness orgies drinking parties and lawless adultery how many people in this world today place many forms of life and actions well above god well there you go it's idolatry verse 4 says with respect to this they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you those who live in such ways are now surprised by what well since peter's readers no longer did the same things with them as before they're now surprised like hey why don't you come and hang out with us as before we are again reminded that christians are sojourners and exiles in this world the world in general does not share the values and aspirations of believers in christ in this case it becomes clearer where the persecution of peter's readers is actually coming from it seems that society 
was first puzzled by their belief and their change in life. And then they were outraged that some people changed their outlook of cultural norms and what they participated in. The Roman historian Publius Cornelius Tacitus wrote at the time that Christians have a hatred for the human race. Why such, why such reactions? Well, Thomas Schreiner writes, Pagans would feel this way because idolatry was woven into almost every dimension of their lives, from life at home to public festivals to religious observances and even social occasions. Public festivals that venerated idols and gods was a civic duty at that time. To cut that off would be turning a back on society at large in this respect. Worship of the emperor was a mark of good citizenship, and the emperor was not to be defied. This would make Christians top of the social outcasts. Persecution would be common for those believers in being socially ostracized at a minimum. But we also know that sharp words can easily transition into sharp swords. Verse 4 says, With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you, but they will give according to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. They will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Peter is telling his audience that present circumstances are not the last word. All those whose lives are based on their own desires and fulfilling the lust of the flesh will be judged by God. When we compromise to follow peer pressure and the desire to be accepted by society, we will find those accolades to be very short-lived and will bring no long-term benefits and only lead to misery and pain. God will be the final judge. So soon the tables will be turned on those who live for debauchery. Verse 6 says, For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who were dead, that though judged in the flesh, the people the way people are, they might, be, live, they might live in the spirit the way God does. So what does Peter mean by, For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead? Well, some scholars think these are the spiritually dead, but... Peter never used the term here uh, in the Greek word nekrios in this way. So that is kind of hard to see. This is not interpretationally. It almost has to be the physically dead. But who and how? We know this is not a gospel preached to those who have already died because there is no opportunity after death to be saved. These must be people that had heard the gospel while then alive and now have since died. Now these who have died are now living in the Spirit as Christ and God do. Death is not the last word for the believer. The resurrection awaits them. Peter is speaking about the believers who have passed, but now live in the Spirit. From the New English Translation, we get this explanation. Though they suffered judgment in this earthly life, i.e. they died, perhaps in the midst of physical abuse from the ungodly, they will enjoy life from God in the spiritual heavenly realm because of the gospel. And here where it says judged in the flesh the way people are, it's just the reality of death, of all flesh, 
at some point judged in the flesh. Verse 7 says, The end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. The final judgment is coming. The end of all things is near. Believers need to be living according to God's will. The ministry, death, and resurrection of Christ Jesus set into place these last days. 1 Corinthians 10.11 says, Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Believers need to live in a way that points to Christ as the time now is short. Live in a way that any day could be the last day. And what does it mean to be self-controlled and sober-minded? Even though the time is short, as Oliver Wendell Holmes Sr. stated, some people are so heavenly-minded that they are no earthly good. We that are still here need to be clear-thinking and to empower our prayers, to ask God to act and move in the time that still remains. We need to pray for God's grace to be shown clearly and that God's Spirit will move in our world now. Verse 8 says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. And now, above all that, (laughs) above the suffering, above the end of all things, keep loving each other. In fact, the end of all things should be the motivation to push us to love each other all the more. Love is central to the Christian life and grows colder love in in the world today grows colder the closer we get to the end of things. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 7, For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, And many false prophets will rise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. John says that Christ said in John 13, 34, A new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love is always the priority, and as it states, it covers a multitude of sins. Well, what does that mean? Well, when we love others, the sins and offenses of others are now overlooked. Love is not directed towards self, but always towards others as the gospel is not about us. Proverbs 10.12 says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Paul states in 1 Corinthians 13.4, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Verse 9 says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Well, hospitality was crucial for the Christian mission in that day, when lodging was rare and unaffordable. Missions work was dependent 
on the willingness of believers to provide meals and a place to stay for traveling missionaries. Give willingly without begrudging the gift to others. Verse 10 says that each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. This theme of ministering to each other continues in this verse. The gifts mentioned in this verse are spiritual gifts given because of God's grace. Paul states again in Romans 12, Whereas in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to your, our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Spiritual gifts are given to all believers, and all believers have at least one that help us serve and strengthen others in faith. These gifts are ministry support and not an enhancement for self-esteem. These gifts are given to build up and edify others and not oneself. In Ephesians 4.11, Paul says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, to, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. These gifts from God are not a privilege, but a responsibility to be faithful to what God has given. Verse 11 says, Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. There are speaking and there are serving gifts. Those who speak should speak the word of God and be faithful to the gospel message. This is not reliant on personal strength, but empowerment of God provided through prayer and the study of God's word. Understanding and teaching abilities come from God, and God is the one to be praised and glorified through teaching the words of God. The outcome of teaching is to see that God is glorified through Jesus Christ. And the same is true for those who serve others, serving through the strength that God provides to care for the needs of others. But all the glory is to be given to God. And to him, Peter gives us this doxology at the end. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Well, next episode 12, we will continue into chapter 4 of 1 Peter, where Peter tells his readers to suffer joyfully in accord to God's will. I hope this season four and first and second letters of Peter speaks to you. I pray that this study blesses you and I encourage you to spend time and always spend time in God's word. Biblical Tapestry is on Facebook and Instagram and I encourage you to please like and share this podcast if you have discovered anything new from this study that blesses you. God bless and I pray that you are well and are strengthened by God.